It was 20 years ago today that Anne, well actually Anne didn't come for the first meeting. I came up for the first meeting and uh, gathering together these two little groups that wanted to form a brand new church on Teesside called Jubilee Church Teesside. And uh, I was a bit nervous. Uh, I was 35 years old. You can work out how old I am now. Simple mathematics, Val. It's not that difficult. And uh, I was a bit nervous coming, but I felt God really spoke to me as I met some of you guys. Some of you were actually there in that first meeting. I won't embarrass you, but some of you were there. And I felt God say, this is a good pile of wood that I've assembled, and I want to use you to ignite a fire, to start something here that will burn for a very long time and will go from place to place. And I believe that's what God's done. Now, we've been through difficult times. We've been through ups and downs. Uh, some people here, uh, some people are not here. But God is here and he has been faithful all the way down the years. And we want to say thank you to God. I also just want to say thank you to a couple of friends uh, who are here and have come along. I want to particularly say thank you to a couple of my fellow elders who eldered with me, not just Steve Whittington and Raj and Simon and others who eldered with us, but uh, I particularly want to say thank you to Jed Lester, uh, my very good friend. And... Uh, Jed, you know that Jubilee wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. And the truth is, I wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for the connection with you. And uh, so this chain of connection, the faithfulness of God, just really goes back to unsung heroes. People, many of you wouldn't know. It's also wonderful for me to have my friend Paul Mogford uh, and Lorraine and the family. <laughs> Great to see you guys. Uh, Paul now serving uh, a team in Cumbria and Cockermouth and just the wisdom that Paul has been able to bring over the years. Now, there's many other friends here. I cannot mention you because when I start mentioning one, I'll mention uh, and I'll run out and we won't have time to bring what I feel God's put on my heart for you. I felt God has spoken to me, actually, about this. Simon originally said, we're going to go through, going through Isaiah 61 uh, in these lead-up to uh, this celebration. As you know, Isaiah 61 was the chapter. It was the first message I ever preached at Teesside. Uh, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on us because he's called us to preach good news to the poor. And I said to Simon, Simon, Jubilee Church have heard everything I've got to say about Isaiah 61. And so he said to me, you must feel released from that and free to bring anything that you feel God has put on your heart for us today. We want to hear a prophetic word. We don't just want to hear a rehashed word. He, he said it a bit nicer than that, but that was what Simon said. So actually, I feel God has spoken to me a word, and it's a word that I think will reverberate with some of the prophetic that you've had before from people like Julian Adams, who was with us for a few years, and also from Paul Woodward, who was here for a few years, Paul and Jean. And it's about wells. And I just feel God wants to stir you about some wells. And kids, you can, listen, it's really strange. You see, things change in life. Let me tell you this, kids. When I came to Jubilee Church 20 years ago with Anne, there were two things that are very important in your life that didn't even exist in my life there. One was a mobile phone. I didn't even have a phone, a mobile phone. Now kids have them. And the other was the internet, or as it's more known here, Tinternet. 
And uh, we didn't have anything like that. I didn't have the internet. I didn't have them. They existed, but I didn't have them. And there's some things that existed in ancient Israel that we don't have today. And one of those things is a well. And a well is a place where you got water from. You see, we can turn on a tap, can't we? And we get lovely, fresh, what are we here? Northumberland water? Are we still Northumberland water here? That's what it was when I was here. Northumbria water. And you turn on a tap, beautiful, fresh water. Well, in the New Testament and Old Testament, they couldn't do that. They had to go to the well. And the well was just a big, 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 big hole that you dug and at the bottom you hoped you'd find some natural streams of water. And I want to remind you or let you know of a few verses in Genesis chapter 26 where there's a very famous Old Testament leader, an Old Testament father, his name was Isaac, and he was trying to find some ancient wells, some old wells so that he could give his whole family water. So it's in Genesis 26, and I'm going to read verses 17 down to verse 22. So Isaac moved, or this is verse 17, Isaac moved away and camped in the valley of Jirah and settled there. And Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father, Abraham. So these were family wells. These were wells that had been in the family. These were watering holes that were his. It's like God has given you some promises. God has given you some prophetic words as Jubilee and here on Teesside. And it's like sometimes they get a little bit blocked up. Sometimes junk gets put in our family wells Sometimes difficulties, troubles, relational difficulties, difficulties of belief, difficulties of conscience, difficulties of health, difficulties of relationship, difficulties of circumstance, difficulties of heart attitude. And sometimes these family wells just get blocked up like had happened here in Isaac's time. And it said the Philistines had stopped them up, the enemy... You see, we're not just flesh and blood here. We're not just human beings here. We believe in the supernatural realm. And obviously we talk a lot, rightly so, about the good supernatural realm. That's God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, Father, Son and Spirit, and also his angelic beings. We talk a lot about that. But we also are aware as Christians that there's not just the good side but there's the bad side. They're not in equal opposition. It's not like the good side of the force and the bad side of the force. But there is an enemy who is spiritual who would seek to block our wells. And these enemies here, the Philistines, they blocked up these wells. And Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water, a bubbling well. But the herdsmen these other shepherds in the, in the territory, the herdsmen quarrelled with Isaac's herdsmen and said, this water is ours. So he named the well Esek. Now, Esek doesn't mean anything to us or anything to you, but helpfully in our Bible, it tells us what the Hebrew word Esek means. It means dispute. There's a dispute going on over this well. 
So he named it Dispute because they disputed with him. Then he dug another well and they quarrelled over that one also and named it Sitna. Nobody knows what Sitna means, but it tells us in the translation it means opposition. And then he moved on from there and dug another well, but no one quarrelled over it. He named it Rehoboth. Again, we don't know what that means, but we do because the translation tells us room or space. Because he said, now the Lord has given us room and we will flourish in this land. And I believe God has given us, as Jubilee, many promises. I'm not going to go over the promises. We haven't got time to do that. I think you've been looking at some of the promises that God has given you as Jubilee over the years. And if you're from other churches here on Teesside, God bless you. We welcome you. We thank God that we are not alone, that we're part of a bigger family, the kingdom of God on Teesside. If you're visiting from other cities and settings, God bless you. We're thrilled that you're here celebrating with us as well. But sometimes our family promises, sometimes the things that God has given us to celebrate and to drink from and to enjoy just get messed up, just get filled in by an an enemy. And I believe God wants to unblock some wells. Let me just give you three wells that I think God wants to unblock and then I'm just going to talk about these wells here. The three wells that I I felt God spoke to me last night, actually, it's not even in my notes, it's in my pencil notes here. The three wells I felt God speak to me here about, and I put it on my little bit for the net, the well of compassion. God wants to open up a well of compassion. Isaiah 61 is all about compassion. It's all about love for the marginalised, the poor, the dispossessed. It's been wonderful over the years to have so many people from other nations come to Jubilee. It's been wonderful for us to have asylum seekers and refugees come into our church and enrich us. It's been wonderful to have people from very different social demographic standings, rich and poor, black and white, all sorts of people come together in Jubilee and God wants to reopen this well of compassion, that we should be a compassionate people. And I believe just as you've had a big heart in the past, for things like asylum seeker refugees, for things like those who are in poverty and in need, God says to you, I'm going to keep opening that well amongst you. And actually, I I felt there was just, God spoke to me yesterday, there's just a new slant that God wants to do on that, and it's about people who are struggling in this day and age with mental health issues, with stress, difficulties of the mind, We don't talk about that a lot. We talk about the heart issues. But in our day and age, people are struggling and stressed with issues of the mind and troubles. And I believe God, and Raj alluded to it in his prayer earlier, I believe God wants to bring a release and an answer and God's hope into people who are stressed and are having difficulties and are struggling in the mind on top of all that God has done with you in the past. It's a well of compassion that God wants to open up amongst you. Another well, and again, this has already been mentioned again this morning, I think it's so important, it's the well of creativity and songs and strange things that Paul Winstone produces and music and art and drama and filmmaking and all sorts of things. All God's people are creative. 
Even Bill is creative. And uh, you are, Bill. You're a creative person. Even at 147, is that what Raj said you were? So, mate, you look incredible on it, Bill. This must be married to this dynamic powerhouse of a woman. So, every one of God's people is creative, and God wants Jubilee to drink again, draw again from the well of creativity that we might be a creative, prophetic people. And if you look back in history, so much of the art and design and planning and science and creation, creativity has come from God's people. So you can be creative as a scientist, you can be creative as an architect, you can be creative as a person in a family. You can be cre- God wants to do creativity amongst us here in Jubilee. And the third well that I felt he wants to do, and again, it was mentioned this morning, I was so blessed that all these three wells have already been mentioned this morning. Simon mentioned it, and it's a well of celebration, that this is to be a joyful place. The word jubilee, it means celebration. It means there's a happiness, there's a joy, there's a wonderful expression of all ages together, different coloured skins, different backgrounds, different wealth abilities, all different. We're all, all together in this amazing thing and we're called to celebrate that. So I just realised there's three C's. We had our four R's. I do apologise to you who don't like the four R's. There are some who don't like the four R's. Well, you're going to have trouble with the three C's. But I think God's called us to be compassionate, creative and to be a celebratory people. So there are wells that I think God is opening up here. There may be many more that you can name. But let's just very quickly look at what happens, how wells get stopped. Well, there's two reasons that wells get stopped here in that passage. The first one is this. It's dispute. The well of dispute. And to me, that just talks about humans disagreeing. We disagree sometimes, don't we? We have disputes, we have arguments, we have trouble, we have difficulty together. If you are in a church that never has arguments, disputes, difficulties, don't worry, I've got a prophetic word for you. Wait a while, it will happen. Because we do as Christians, we kind of rub one another up the wrong, wrong, the wrong way. That, that, that's any Chinese here. We rub one, one another up the wrong way and we have disputes, we have difficulties, we have friction, we have trouble together. And that's what was happening in this passage. They were quarrelling together. Now, as a good father would say to his children, hey guys, stop quarrelling, get together. Where there's dispute amongst you, where there's quarrelling amongst you, just put it right. You know what? We should be the best people on planet Earth putting quarrels right. right. Because Jesus, he sorted out the quarrel that we have with God. He sorted out the dispute we have with God. He sorted out our arrogance, our pride, our greed, our failure. He came and took the blame and took the shame for us. And actually, that makes us a Christian. In fact, Jesus tells a parable about a guy who lets off somebody with a massive debt. It's like, in our culture, it would be like a million pound debt. And this guy, just out of love and compassion, just lets him off. He just says, you're free. And the guy goes, whoopee, that's happy. And then, in his happiness, he sees a guy who owes him 10 quid. 
And he goes, I want my 10 quid back. And God says, that's not how a Christian should behave. You've been let off a million pounds. Don't ask for 10 quid back from your brother. And actually, we should put quarrels and difficulties right. In fact, the Bible's very clear about it. See, it says this in Matthew 5, verse 23. If you know that a brother or a sister has something against you, if you know they have something against you, go and put it right, personally. Matthew 18 says, if you've got something against a brother or sister, oh, I'll wait for them to put it right then. I'll wait for Sarush to put it right. Because that first one says, you know, it's up to him to put it right. No, if I have a problem, it says, you go and put it right. Whether they have a problem with you or you have a problem with them, the Bible doesn't let us off. It says, put quarrels right. And I think so much of pastoral ministry in the local church could be sorted out if we put our quarrels with one another right. So if there's anyone here with any quarrel, any difficulty, any trouble with anyone else, just quickly, not now, but because... <laughs> It might be everybody got up, I don't know. But over a cup of tea later, just say, I love you, I'm for you, I've forgiven. Yeah, we, we just, we're friends. We're together in this. We are brothers and sisters together who put things right. But if you look, there's another level. The second well, the first one was this well of dispute. The second well was this well of opposition. And I think as Christians, we always tend to think, it's just me and Simon, or it's me and Paul, or me and Harold. It's, it's like just human agency. But as I said before, there actually are spiritual forces. We don't talk a lot about them, and I'm pleased we don't talk a lot about them, but they are there, and they're enemy forces. And in the passage, they're called opposition. We're opposed. The enemy tries to oppose us. He tries to come against us and cause difficulty, and it's a whole different battlefield. It's not just you struggling with some person. It's not just you struggling with that person at work. It's not just you struggling with that person and family. It's not just you. There's an enemy behind it. And you've got, we've got to learn to do spiritual warfare. We've got to learn to be those who not just put personal relationships right, but those who stand against spiritual powers that would come against us. And the Bible tells us, you see, let me give you a story. I'll give you one from the Bible, then I'll give you one from my life. You see, it doesn't feel like it's the enemy. It doesn't feel like, you know, I'm, I'm sort of being taken over and I can twirl my head round three times. and You know, it doesn't feel like that. Let me give you a biblical story. One of the greatest statements made by any person in the Bible about Jesus is the Apostle Peter. Jesus said to Peter, who do people say I am? Peter said, oh, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some say you're a great prophet. And Jesus said to Peter, yeah, but Peter, who do you say that I am? And he thinks for a moment and he goes, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus goes, well, Peter... Man, you got that one right. But let me just tell you, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. My Father in heaven revealed that to you. And Peter's going, <laughs> I know, I open my mouth, heaven speaks. <laughs> I'm just the favoured one. 
He said, I can't help it. Just goodness comes out of me. And uh, then Jesus thinks, well, I'm going to tell the disciples. It's all there in Matthew 16. I'm going to tell the disciples a bit more about my mission. And he said, well, to be honest, yes, I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, but the Christ is the suffering servant. Christ is the one who comes and he's going to give his life. And I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to give my life for my church, for my people. And Peter thinks, may it never be. And Jesus turns to him and goes, get behind me, Satan. From the same mouth came, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Uh, You'll never go to the cross, Jesus. Oh no, we won't let that. You see, one was from heaven and one was from hell. And Peter probably didn't even feel much different. He didn't feel very spiritual when heaven spoke to him. And he didn't feel very demonic when hell was speaking to him. And often we speak words from the enemy. And we don't even realise we're doing it. So let me earth it in my own life. Anne and I were on holiday in Greece. And we were a little jet lagged, as sometimes does happen because of our travels. And it's like everything was of annoyance to me about her. Everything. I mean, I'm perfect, obviously, and, you know, good and nice, and she's a pain, and everything, you know, the way she got up, the way she spoke to me, the way she had breakfast, the way, everything was just... Some people are frowning at me. <laughs> it's like everything was annoying, and it was like we were, frick, we were having friction, we were, we were fighting, I, I was short-tempered, I was, like, I was snappy with her, and uh, I just thought, she's a pain. I'm good and godly. You know, I'm a ministry, just come back from ministry, and obviously I'm with Jesus and happy, but she's a pain, and we're having this, this fun, and we ended up having a blazing row. I can't even remember what it was about, I think where we were going to the beach or something, really important, but we had a blazing row in the middle of the, do you remember it? In the middle of the street, it, and I kept telling her, you're wrong, you're this, you're arrogant, you're that, and she just turns to me and says, Jeremy, this is not flesh and blood. This is the enemy. I said, don't get super spiritual with me. I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the spiritual one. I know if this is God or the enemy. And, it's you. and I thought, oh, I think you're right. So in, in the moment, we, what do we do? Stand up. In the, in the middle of a Greek street with other people around, we held hands like this. And, we, and I said to Anne, I'm wrong. This is not you. And this is not me. This is an enemy. This is an enemy attack on us. And in Jesus' name, we come against that enemy attack. We don't receive it. Right now, we choose to love one another before one another. And do you know what happened? Some, you can let go now. <laughs> I'll give you a kiss. <laughs> um, it's like something lifted. And I stopped feeling like that towards Anne. I started feeling love. I, started, I didn't feel this antagonism. And, and she would have said exactly the same about me. We are in a warfare. That was not just a friction of a husband and wife, and I know what that is, so it wasn't that. It was the enemy coming in. And I think sometimes the enemy comes into our relationships, and we've just got to be really wise and really discerning. Let me just give you two things before I finish how you deal with the enemy. The first one is this refuse to engage with the enemy. The enemy wants you to talk to him. The enemy want, you see, the enemy wanted me to get in great debate about it. But Anne was wiser than I was. She said, no, this is the enemy. We just say, stop it in Jesus' name. 
So don't talk to, don't debate with the enemy. We're not to do that. We're at Jesus before his accusers were silent. And sometimes we've just got to say, stop it. This is enemy. We come against it. And then I would say to you this. Do the exact opposite of what the enemy's trying for you to do. So at that point, the enemy was trying to divide us. We united ourselves. And it might be right now the enemy's trying to tempt you in areas of finance. Now, this is not a plug for the gift day, but one of the things I know is when the enemy's trying to get hold of me financially, I actually choose to give more. Like, that'll teach you. And when the enemy's trying for me to be disloyal or talk about people in a bad way, I deliberately choose to talk about them in a positive way. And when you're tempted with some, maybe a sexual issue even, you're tempted in a marriage or a relationship, actually go and put loyalty and love and faithfulness back into something. Do the opposite of what the enemy's trying to do in you. And I think, if I can say in Jubilee, I think we've had some enemy fire. We've had some enemy activity. There's been some battles, and I think the elders have done really well. I think you guys have done really well, but I still think there is some enemy activity that needs to be discerned, that needs to be spoken into, rebuked, and he will flee from you. That's what the Bible says. Rebuke the enemy, and he will flee from you. Okay, let me just bring this into landing by saying this. The last well is the good well. So we've had the well of dispute, human dispute. We've had the well of opposition, spiritual warfare. This last well is where I believe God is saying Jubilee is at right now. And it's the well of room, R-O-O-M, room or space. You see, God wants to bring you into a spacious place. I'm not just talking about the Macmillan Centre. I'm talking about spiritual space, spiritual life, spiritual room. This this well, it said, was a bubbling well of the Spirit. It speaks of the Holy Spirit. It was, it was flourishing with life, this new well, and it's a well of room. You see, God says this in Exodus, Exodus chapter 3, verse 8. God says this, I've come down to rescue my people from the Egyptians and to bring them into a land that is good and spacious and flowing with milk and honey. It says in Psalm 18, Verse 19, he's brought me to a spacious place. He's rescued me because he delights in me. And God so delights in Jubilee and he so delights in you that he's wanting to bring you to a spacious place. What does it mean, a spacious place? It means a place where there's room for you. A place where there's room for your funny ways. A place where there's room for your creativity. A place where there's room for your compassionate heart. A place where there's room for your gift. A place where there's room for you to grow in celebration. A place where Paul Winstone can be Paul Winstone. And Sue Kearney can be Sue Kearney. And Raj Saha can be Raj Saha. And Andy and Jen Colclough can be whoever they are. <laughs> we can just be who we are because he's he's, we're not pot-bound. He's brought us into a spacious, a roomy place, a place of the Spirit, a place of space, a place of blessing. And so often in church life, people feel restricted. I've got to behave like this. I've got to be crushed. I've got to be... There's a certain expectation of what a Christian must do. He mustn't go there. She mustn't say that. You mustn't do that. I, 
and I feel restricted. That is not Christianity. Christianity is about freedom. Christianity is about you being free to be you, who God has made you to be. Now, we're not free to sin. It's not, oh, I'm free to say what I like. You so-and-so, so-and-so, Paul Woodward. Oh, I feel so much freer saying he's a so-and-so. Ooh, ooh. No, we're not free to sin. We're free to love. We're free to have grace. We're free to have compassion and mercy. But we are free who, to be who we really are in God a creative, flourishing, celebratory, compassionate person. That's who you are, who God has made you to be. And Jubilee, I want to prophesy as I end this talk, Jubilee is a place of freedom. It's a place where you can be who God has made you to be and where you can flourish. And the truth is this, when you become you, I get freedom to become me and I get to enjoy that I'm not Paul Winstone or Sue Kearney, or Raj Saha, or Jen Kalkar. I'm, I'm not. I'm me, and actually, if we're all the same, we all just become like cardboard cutouts, like the, the things you get in, in uh, papier-mâché when they, when they cut us. We're all just the same. We're not. We're diverse. We're different. And we must celebrate our freedom. We must celebrate who we are in the bounds of biblical truth, God's love, what God says about man and woman, what God says about us together. In the bounds of all that, God is calling us to be a freedom people. Do you get it, Jubilee? This is a place of flourishment where Lou Watts can be exactly who she is and bring the liberty and the freedom that God has given to her. It's a place where Sue can. It's a place where you can be free. It's a place where Jill... Boston can be herself and to be free because we need a Jill Boston in our church. And the danger is we look, we say, oh, we need this one. We need you. We need you to be you, Matthew, with all your funny ways. And you need me to be me with all my funny ways because actually my funny ways are, some of it's about God's quirkiness and God's character and who God is. And we make God out to be this nice, tight Englishman when he's not. He's multicultural. And we need Africans to be Africans. We need those from Iran to be Iranians. We need, we need, we need Southerners to be, to, be, to be Southerners. Yeah, we need them to be Southerners. But we need Northerners to be Northerners. And I love Teesside, me. And we, we, let's, see, let's not mimic one another. Let's enjoy this wonderful creativity. Let's enjoy this wonderful freedom. Jubilee, this is a place of room. Jubilee, this is a place of freedom. Jubilee, this is a place for you to flourish in your gift. In this next 20 years, I'll tell you a funny story last night. We had a little party last night and we were celebrating that it was somebody's 50th. Ooh, Shirley, can't believe you were 30 when we started this thing. She's 50 years old. Doesn't look it, does it? About 60, I'd say, but... She, <laughs> doesn't look it, 50 and glamorous and delightful. And I said, wouldn't it be great if we're all sitting here, we're just sitting around a table, wouldn't it be great? I did the kind of big father thing. Wouldn't it be great if we're all sitting here in 20 years' time, just celebrating 40 years? And Shirley turns to Bill and said, but you won't be here. <laughs> I, thought, I thought, that's loving. But in a funny sort of way, I thought, that's family. We can laugh and joke and be joyful together. I think he'll be there, 105, cutting the cake. I think he'll be there. 
And if he's not with us physically, he'll be with us in spirit because he'll be with Jesus. So, friends, this is a place of creativity. This is a place of compassion. This is a place of celebration. It's a place where you can flourish. You can be you. And why don't you, if you want to, I'm not telling you to do this, but if you want to just stand with me and say, do you know what? I'm standing with Jubilee. I might not even go to Jubilee anymore. I might be part of another church, but I want to stand with what God's doing in this church. I want to celebrate what God's doing in terms of freedom and release. Why don't we take one another's hands? And this is like, it's kind of weird, I know, and uncomfortable, but, you know, just have a look at the person next to you. They are not a cardboard cutout of you. They are very different to you. Look at them, celebrate their difference, celebrate their diversity. They're a different height and shape and age and colour and they're different backgrounds, different academic abilities, different uh, differences in our bank balance. But none of that matters because we're all one in Christ. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Jubilee. I thank you that 20 years ago you called this church into being because you wanted to have a church on Teesside that reflected your grace and your glory. We thank you for every other church on Teesside, but we want to play our part as Jubilee. I pray, Lord, for a release of compassion. I pray, Lord, for a release of creativity. I pray, Lord, for a release of celebration that we would be this freedom people and where the enemy has come against us we say in the name of Jesus be gone we pray freedom and liberty in relationships and friendships we pray as Valier once said about this church I walked in and I was hit by a wall of love let that be always true we ask it in the name of Jesus and all God's people said Amen Amen. Amen. Amen